0: Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I am Molly Nelson, the host of this podcast, and I am sitting across from Lauren Merkel. He is a certified financial fiduciary, a certified financial planner, and a retirement income certified professional. And today, we're going to talk about how to get income in retirement. You might phrase this different ways. You might say, "How do I get my money? How do I pay myself?" Where do I take money from in retirement? It's a common question that you have. And today we're going to try to give you some answers to get you started thinking about retirement income. Lauren, it's kind of a crazy concept, right? Because all of these years you've been working, someone else generally has written your check unless you work for yourself. It's come maybe once a month, every two weeks, typically fairly reliable. Maybe even if you're not in a commission-based job, it's the same check, you know, every time you get it. And then all of a sudden the W-2 wages go away.
1: And it seems like this doesn't really settle in until you get really close to that retirement timeframe. At least that's the kind of conversations that we have. We put together the written plan. So if you come to us and you're five years out from retirement, you know how much money you can expect to receive at the point of retirement. And we'll even show where this money is going to come from, but that doesn't necessarily resonate with you because you're still five years out from retirement. You still, still know you have five years of this W-2 income coming in. You know exactly what you're going to get most of the time and you know when it's going to come in. And so you don't really think to that level, even though it's written on a piece of paper right in front of you. So as you get closer to this retirement timeframe and you start to think and you start to really realize, hmm, I know I'm not going to work anymore. So you know that the employer checks are going to go away. You know you need income coming in specifically now. Where is this money going to come from? Is it going to come from your IRA? Is it going to come from your 401k? Is it going to come from your Roth IRA? Is it going to come from a, a trust account that you have? Where is this income going to come from? And is it going to allow you to accomplish the, the retirement lifestyle that you have been dreaming about all this all this time? And there's a lot of factors that will go into where should the income come from And that doesn't even take into consideration yet in this conversation, social security, or maybe even a pension that you have. So this uh, often leads us to a more detailed conversation as people approach and get closer to retirement where they need to start taking this income.
0: Yeah. And that is one of the neat things that you do for the families and individuals you work with. You develop a plan. We call it your Merkle plan. You hand it to people and it shows them just that. We're going to start with this IRA or we're going to start here and we're going to work this, this account, first because of tax reasons, and again, all that complicated stuff that you put together for people, they look at it and go, oh yeah, this all makes sense. You explain it to them. But let's say someone doesn't have that written income plan. Let's say they're sitting at home and they know that they have some life insurance and maybe an IRA and, and a 401k and, and maybe a pension or, oh yeah, and maybe a 401k at an, another employer and, and they're getting close to retirement and that stuff has to turn into income.
1: It does have to turn into income. And we have these conversations all the time with people who don't have a written plan. They'll listen to the podcast. They'll take advantage of the 15 minute retirement checkup call. They'll watch our, our TV show through the YouTube channel and they'll contact us to, and, and, and they'll tell us they don't have a plan. Because one of the questions I'll ask is, What have you done from a retirement planning standpoint? And most of the time, they'll list their investments. They have a 401k plan. You have an IRA. You have these this individual account, but that's not a plan. And as As you get closer to retirement, you start to realize that that is not a plan, that those are the vehicles that are going to allow you to deliver the lifestyle that you want potentially. But now it's about how do you organize all of these vehicles, in a in a way that's going to allow you to have the lifestyle that you want when you do retire with confidence, but also have a lifestyle that you're going to need and want 10 and 15 years down the road. So we're having these conversations with people who don't have this plan put together and I'll ask them how do they come about the decisions that they've already made and how do they plan to come about the decisions that they know they're going to have to make. And this is where the conversation will lead to these general rules of thumb. You know, people will, will reference the 4% income rule, which really now is the 3% income rule. Uh, They'll reference some calculators that maybe they've used online through the 401k service or elsewhere. And they're trying to use all of these different tools. The problem with all those different tools and what they're realizing and the reason that they're calling is they're not custom to them, and they don't give them a complete picture of what their retirement's going to look like from the income standpoint, from the tax standpoint, from the long-term care risk standpoint, from the health care standpoint. They're really laser-focused on one component of their plan – but people realize or start to realize that they have to be uh, take a more comprehensive look in order to make sure that they're making the right decisions for them and they feel really good about those decisions that they're making.
0: But Lauren, if I don't know the answer to something, I can clearly go to the World Wide Web, right?
1: Yeah, you can Google it.
0: I can Google it. And guess what happens? When you Google retirement income, there are about... 50 retirement income calculators that come up. So I thought, well, let's check those out. Let's see what I can learn from a retirement income calculator. And you know what I learned from a retirement income calculator? What'd you learn? I learned that I'm going to be short of money (laughs) when I retire, Lauren. And um, since I work at a place that does retirement planning... That's not a good thing. I should have a a better outcome from this calculator.
1: Okay, so you went through this calculator and you put in all the details, all the things. All, you answered all the questions that it was asking you. And then the output said you were going to be short at your projected retirement date. Yeah,
0: like $2,000 a month, that's by sig- the way.
1: That's significant. That so, is. So how do you feel about that, Molly? I,
0: I don't... I think I need a f- better plan, is <laughs> what I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's part of part of the experience that most people have when they go to these calculators. It's not that the calculators are bad. They're not. They can be useful. What we find, though, is that you're, they're just incomplete. So the information, the questions that they're asking you... How many questions was it? Was it four? Was yeah, it five? Yeah, it was
0: only four or five.
1: Yeah, so very... Very small amount of data to produce this outcome, and unfortunately, what it does a lot of times is it will leave people feeling like they're short, or it will leave people feeling like they have enough already. So it will lead people to improper decisions based on this very brief questionnaire and this outcome that seems so so, so real. Because what in this case what it shows you is this is how much income you need with inflation and an assumed return at whatever age you wanted to retire and then here's how much income you will be able to deliver from the resources with that assumed with with those assumptions and it, it leaves you not feeling very good
0: yeah, and that's not what you want, right? I'm getting ready for this what 30-year vacation. I don't want to look at a calculator online and go, "Oh, I need to work a few more years." So, when you guys sit down with you when you and the the retirement planner sit down with families and individuals, it's not just four or five questions that you're asking it. You you need a lot of information to help people develop a retirement income plan.
1: Yeah, and that conversation starts with, "What is your retirement lifestyle dream? What does what does to you, what do you want to do in retirement? What kind of Activities? Do you want to pursue? Do you want to travel? Do you want to uh, buy a motorhome and and travel the country? Do you want to chase grandkids around? What do you want to do in retirement? Because that's going to give us the ability then to more accurately determine how much your retirement is going to cost you. Because if you're ten years or twenty years or or even five years out from retirement. You can kind of guesstimate what it's going to cost you to do what you want to do in retirement, but all of us know life changes quick. Uh, And even if it's not dramatic changes, your ambitions change, what you want to do changes, and also cost of goods and services change as well. So we can kind of guesstimate, or you can kind of guesstimate what you're going to need in retirement, but we have to be able to plan for the contingencies, the what ifs, what if it costs us more to do this? What if it costs us less? What if uh, we're, we're trying to retire in the economy Is not doing well and the market blows up by 50% and your portfolio loses 40%. How is that going to impact your retirement? So, the conversations that we have start with what does your retirement look like to you, activity wise? And then we build in a plan around how to accomplish that, taking into consideration all the factors that should be considered. And many times, these are factors that you haven't considered yet because you don't know what you don't know and you have never retired before. Most likely, and so it's it's easier to understand where the pitfalls could be if you've retired thousands of times.
0: Lauren mentioned that 15 minute checkup call, and we want to make sure you know a little bit more about that. It's a 15 minute complimentary retirement checkup call. You can go to MerkelRetire com. That's M E R K L E Retire and right there, there's a calendar. You get on the calendars of the retirement planners, and it's a great opportunity to talk directly to a retirement planner about your situation. So we know that how you want to spend your money in retirement looks different than your neighbor. We know that your social security amount looks different than your neighbor. Your investments are different than your neighbor. Your retirement is not cookie cutter. It's specific to you. So a 15 minute phone call is a great opportunity to talk about your retirement vision. So we know that the families and individuals that you work with, Lauren, you and the team work with, they have a plan for all this income, but let's say someone out there listening doesn't have that plan yet and they're just kind of starting to think about retirement and they know that they've got what we've heard our clients, our families, and individuals that we work with say a junk drawer of investments. Not that the investments are junk, this that they're disorganized, maybe a lot of them. What about let's just kind of go through some of this stuff. So let's go IRAs, right? That's kind of a common retirement savings vehicle that people have? Should people, let's say they have a couple of IRAs. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What are your kind of your tips around that?
1: It's not necessarily a good or bad thing, but, but what people, as you approach retirement, as you age and as you go into retirement, what people are looking for is simplicity. And so most of the families that we are working with, if they have a couple IRAs, or they have an IRA in a 401k plan, or they have an IRA at this custodian, like a Charles Schwab, and they have another IRA at a TD Ameritrade. They're looking for simplicity in getting all of these various statements and having to deal with all this different communication and keeping up with all these different custodians. That becomes problematic as you want to try to simplify your life. So it's not necessarily good or bad. But it can be more chaotic. And so part of the value of putting together a written plan is to take inventory take inventory of everything that you have, and then figure out a way to make your life easier as far as managing all of this different inventory. And then as a part of that, it's also how does this inventory now work for you? How does this junk drawer of investments, and I think about it as we're talking about it, I, I think of a puzzle. So when you're putting together a puzzle, you lay out all the pieces of the puzzle on a table, you flip them up, make sure they're upside right, uh, and then you can start putting this, this puzzle together. But as you put this puzzle together, the picture of the puzzle becomes more clear to you. And as you put these pieces together, the picture becomes more clear and then finding the right home for these other pieces become more clear. And eventually you have this, this beautiful picture that is all complete uh, that used to be just a bunch of pieces on, on the table. Same thing with your plan with your junk drawer of investments. You put these different pieces together that makes your retirement puzzle more clear and it makes your retirement ambitions more probable because now you have an organized plan with organized inventory that are all working together to help you accomplish your retirement vision.
0: Let's talk about 401k, kind of one of the more common retirement savings uh, uh, vehicles that people are using. When you sit down with families and individuals, you you talk to people that are usually five to 10 years out from an from retirement is it common that they have 401k's that they left with an old employer or several 401k's
1: it's very common and uh, this also goes back to simplicity when you leave an employer your your life is changing and sometimes it can change quite a bit maybe you're even moving and changing locations so there's a lot going on and the last thing that you want to think about is something that you know can just stay as is you've been accustomed to your money being underneath that 401k plan for 2 years 5 years Twenty years, even so, leaving that alone and then handling all these other more important things to you at that time type of issues is is not uncommon at all. But then you get settled into your your new uh, position and maybe your new location, and it's still just easy. It's still just easy to leave it there. And then you leave that that job. And same, same thing. And as you leave that 401k there. So over the course of a career, you can accumulate multiple 401k plans and just find yourself having these multiple 401k plans down the road. It does make it easier to consolidate. Um, It does make it, it's not like the money's going to grow faster because having it in one pot versus three pots, isn't going to make it grow faster, but it can make it easier. And once you go through retirement, you hit different phases. Uh, seventy-two is one that comes to mind. So at seventy-two, now you're required to take minimum distributions from your retirement accounts, your pre-tax accounts. The IRA required minimum distribution rules are different than 401k rules. So as an example, if you have two different IRAs. Let's say you, your, your total RMD from those IRAs is $5,000, so that's what you're required to take out. You can take $2,500 out from one IRA, $2,500 out from another IRA, or you could take $5,000 out from just one IRA, and that satisfies that required distribution. If you have two 401k plans and the same RMD is required, total RMD, $5,000, well, you have to take out $2,500 from the one 401k, $2,500 from the other 401k assuming that the, the 401ks are equal amounts. So you cannot just take it from one of them. You have to make sure that your RMD is taken from each one of them. So these are the little nuances that not a lot of people are aware of and can create some havoc as you age and go further into retirement. And if you miss one of those RMDs, it is a fifty percent penalty on that amount. So if that amount was twenty five hundred, you didn't take it out. Now you you owe twelve twelve hundred fifty dollars in penalties, plus you still have to take out the twenty five hundred RMD. So it it consolidating these accounts can make it more simple as you go to and through retirement.
0: Well, and another advantage to consolidating these accounts is typically what you roll them into an IRA and inside an IRA, most of the time you have a lot more choices than you do inside an employer sponsored plan.
1: There's good and bad to everything. One of the good about rolling a 401k to an IRA is you're not limited to the investment options that the employer or former employer offer you underneath the plan. As you look at that 401k plan, you might have 10, maybe you have 20, 25 different options. Underneath an IRA, it's very much unlimited. You can invest in almost anything you want to underneath the IRA. So it's it's more likely that you can create a portfolio that will fit your retirement needs underneath an IRA as opposed to an employer plan where you're very limited with the investment options.
0: And let's go back to the 401k and fees. I think maybe there's a misconception that you've heard a few times that Uh, My employer is paying the fees inside the 401k. That's why I want to stay there.
1: Yeah, I saw a study out there not long ago. I'm I'm probably going to get this number wrong, but it was a high percentage. Let's call it 60% of people underneath the 401k plan don't realize they're paying any fees. And part of that is because the complex nature of how fees are charged with 401k plans, because the employer has their set of fees. They have the plan administrator fees, they have to pay the custodian, uh, and that's the Vanguard, T. T. Rowe Price, the people who, the, the firms that actually house your money. So all of these companies have to make money, and the employer will typically pay those expenses, but the mutual funds that you are using to actually invest your money underneath the 401k plan, you have to pay those fees. But when you get your statement and you have all these columns, you have the return column, you have the fee column. And in the fee column, it says $25 or a lot of times it'll say $0. So it appears as if you're not paying fees, but you are paying fees with the investments that you have. And now it's the level of fees that you're paying. So one of the things that the employer can do is they can offset their expense by moving more of their expense into the mutual fund expenses that you pay. So just quick, quick example. Let's say that the mutual fund cost would be 1%. Well, the employer doesn't want to pay all the administrative and, plan and, and trustee fees, so they will push some of those fees into the mutual fund cost fees that you're paying. So instead of 1%, now you're paying one and a half, right? Or the employer can cover all of those fees, and then you're just paying the 1%. The problem is from your side, how do you know? How do you know? Because there's not full disclosure on that. So some 401k plans, they're very expensive to you. Some 401k plans, they're very inexpensive to you. But there are fees that you are paying based on those investments that, you, that you're using underneath the plan.
0: So what if uh, in this uh, drawer of investments that you have, there's life insurance, maybe, maybe a term policy that's getting ready to expire?
1: One of the questions we receive all the time from people who are just starting to build their plan with us is they have these what we call legacy life insurance policies, right? The policies that they got when they are 40 or, or maybe 45 years old to help cover mortgage expenses if one of them was to pass away, right? They have these policies that they use for other reasons. And now now their mortgage might be paid off. They're paying this monthly expense or yearly expense. And their, their question is, do we still need it? Do we still need this life insurance policy, whether it's a term policy or, or a whole life policy or some other kind of permanent policy? And the answer to that question is a little bit different for everybody, even if you don't need the death benefit, maybe there's another value to you of maintaining that insurance. <clears throat> maybe there's not. So that's part of the benefit of having a customized written retirement plan is it will show you, does it make sense to keep the life insurance policy? Does it not? If it does make sense to keep this policy, now how are you going to use it in this next phase of your life that is different than how you were using it in the prior phase of your life? Uh, And and once they see that, once you can actually see, yes, let's keep it, here's why, or no, let's not keep it, here's why, now you're making these decisions and you're making them with a high level of confidence in understanding of here's why you're doing what you're doing.
0: Yeah, so let's give some examples. If I kept it, what would be some reasons to keep a life insurance policy?
1: Depending upon the type of policy, uh, let's take the term. So you brought up term. The way that term policies, most term policies work, let's say it's a 20-year term, you bought it at the age of 50. So now you're 60, you're 10 years into it, the term insurance is very inexpensive based on what you could buy right now. So maybe it's $600 a year for $500,000 of term insurance. The $600 a year that you're paying is not impacting you negatively in a significant way. And if one of you is to pass away, well, that's $500,000 of tax-free money that's now infused into the survivor's retirement plan. So you might look at that and say, there's no, I don't really need the death benefit like I did before, but it's so inexpensive. Why not just keep it in case? And then you hold it for the next 10 years. And what happens after that 10 years is you could continue to keep it most of the time, but now that $600 is going to go to $6,000. And so at that point, you're going to let it go because you don't really need the death benefit. And now it's much more expensive to maintain it. And it's not worth it to you. So that would be a, an example of where you might keep a term policy uh, with a permanent policy. Maybe you have some cash value that's built up underneath of there. And you can take out a policy loan to take tax free income in retirement. So that might be a reason that you decide to keep that. Even though the death benefit isn't important to you anymore, you could use it for tax free income.
0: And some examples of when I might get rid of them.
1: Yeah. So an example, when you might get rid of them, let's stay on the permanent policy. So the permanent policies are typically more expensive because they know the insurance company knows they're going to pay at some point as long as you continue to pay the premiums. And maybe the premiums are more expensive than what you want to be able to pay at this phase of your life. And maybe the, the performance of that permanent policy didn't keep up with what you thought it was going to do when you originally bought it. That's probably the most common example that we see is they buy these whole life policies when they're 40, there's an assumed internal return of maybe 8%. So they're going to have all this cash value 20 years later. And as they look at their statements now, 20 years later, it wasn't anywhere close to what was expected. So they still have these expensive premiums. And what they, if they do a, a calculation going forward, what they identify is if things continue on the way that they are, then this policy is actually going to lapse in the next 15 years. So this policy didn't really accomplish, outside the death benefit, didn't really accomplish what they were trying to accomplish from an investment standpoint, and is not going to continue to accomplish what they thought it was going to accomplish. So why not just take whatever cash value is left, walk away with it, and let the policy go?
0: Yeah, and what does policy lapse, what does that mean?
1: When a policy lapses, it means that uh, you're no longer paying the premiums, which means let's say it's a $500,000 death benefit. You're no longer paying the premium. And if you were to pass, then nobody's going to receive that $500,000. So basically your contract with the life insurance company is expiring. So it's, it doesn't exist anymore.
0: Okay. So that was some good tips on what to do with some of these investments. you may have accumulated in the working years, but let's talk about getting paid. Who doesn't like to get paid? It's time to get paid. I like to get paid. So let's say you've retired. The W2 wages have gone away. Now you're riding the paycheck, but there are some logistical things around this that are really good to know about.
1: Yeah. And this is a really exciting time for people because now we're on the doorsteps of retirement. You are on the doorsteps of retirement and you're trying to figure out how, where's this money really going to come from? All these years you've been working hard for your money and you've been disciplined to put money away. And now... This is a time frame where you no longer have to work hard for your money. Your money is working hard for you and you still need that money to be deposited into your checking account. So as a part of your retirement plan, it needs to spell out in detail where this income is going to come from. So let's say you need $5,000 a month. You're 62. Do you take social security? Because you could take it to 62 or you could wait all the way up until 70. And if you're single and it's just your Social Security decision, it is a different calculation than if you're married and you, your, your spouse has Social Security. Because if, you, if it's you and your spouse, you have up to 81 different options of which you can elect Social Security. Should you take it to 62? Should you both take it to 62? Should one of you take it early? One of you delay? There's all these different options. If you're single, it's just you. You don't have another income to depend on. It's just you. And if you add up your monthly payments from Social Security over the course of your lifetime, if you're single, it could be well over $500,000. If you're married, it could be well over a million dollars. So this is a big decision that you're making, and you want to make sure you're doing it right. So should you take Social Security? Should you delay? Uh, What kind of income do you need from your investments? If you have an IRA, a pre-tax IRA, or a Roth IRA, should you take it from your IRA or your Roth a combination of there's all these decisions that you have to make that your retirement plan should map out. And then you get to the detail, the logistics of do you receive this income from your investments once once a month? Do you get a lump sum for the year, then kind of budget out over the course of the year? Do you take it twice a month? A lot of people get paid bi weekly when they're working. Do you want it to continue Uh, on that path from your investments, and then how do you set all of that up? Because most of the time, all of those should be options. It's just what's going to work best for you now in retirement in this new phase of life.
0: Okay, so when you're working specifically with families and individuals on this, you're working them through how they're going to get paid and you have to explain what some stuff about custodians and things like that.
1: We're going step by step. And these are not questions that they're asking us. These are questions that we're bringing to them. Again, you don't know what you don't know. And, and if you don't have to set this up or you've never had to set this up before, sometimes some of these things, these details can slip through the cracks. So yeah, we're walking them through all of this and make sure, making sure it's set up. The custodian is, is one of these questions that we get because there's a lot of room for confusion as far as who's actually managing your money. Uh, The custodian is who's housing your money. So if it's Vanguard or it's TD Ameritrade or T. Rowe Price or Charles Schwab, all of those are custodians. Typically, they're not actually managing your money. Yes, if you have a Vanguard mutual fund, then Vanguard is managing the money underneath that mutual fund, but that's a different operation. That's a different job than if Vanguard is your custodian. The custodian is where you log on to see your accounts, to see your account performance, they produce the statements, and they house your money. But that's an independent operation of who's actually managing your money. And it's not uncommon to have a custodian who doesn't have anything to do with the up and down performance of your money. And it's different managers, uh, different managers who are actually driving the results of your performance.
0: So then the families and individuals that work with a retirement planner get the money into their checking accounts from these custodians.
1: Yeah, so let's say you have a million dollars underneath a Vanguard IRA and you need $5,000 a month. So that 5,000 from the Vanguard IRA. So that $5,000 a month will be directly deposited from your Vanguard IRA into your checking account. So it should be set up as a direct deposit, just like when you were working. Uh, And then every 15th of the month, you have that $5,000 direct deposited. Uh, You can break it up most of the time. So if you want 2,500 on the first, 2,500 on the 15th, you can do that as well. So this is part of that customization that should be included within your income plan, within your retirement plan. How much do you need what frequency do you need it? And then make sure it's directly deposited. So there's no, no interruptions. You don't have to worry about the mail. Don't have to worry about it getting lost, any of that kind of stuff.
0: And you're saying you can do it, but if you work with a retirement planner, is that something that the, the team sets up then on your behalf? Cause I'm thinking too, you've got a pension and an IRA and then I don't know what other brokerage accounts or all the things that people can draw income from. So, so I don't have to make all those calls if I'm working with your team. Yeah, we
1: we take care of it. I mean, this is there's a lot of anxiety that goes into this transition, uh, not only from all the detail that you have to include within making sure that your lifestyle can continue on, some of which we talked about, a lot of which we haven't yet, uh, but also there's the, there's the emotional aspect of working for 40 50 years and now all of a sudden you're not and even if you're really really looking forward to it there can be some anxiety with all the moving parts that go into it so that's one of the i mean there's a lot of tangibles that we provide the intangible the most beneficial intangible that we provide for our families is just, um, the less anxiety and involved with all of the pieces of this puzzle as they're trying to put this retirement puzzle together.
0: Yeah. And what's nice is that the team members here at Miracle retirement planning, they do this daily several times a day. So they know exactly what to say and how to ask the questions. Cause I'm even thinking on a personal level, like I kind of even just hate calling and making an appointment, you know, for, for myself, I, I find trouble, you know, making time for that, let alone calling a Vanguard or a place like that and having to answer, you know, kind of complicated questions and setting all this up. It'd be great to just say, yeah, could you do that for me?
1: Yeah. I mean, what's the number one reason for not going to the doctor or to the dentist, right? Just picking up the phone, making the time and being intentional and saying, I need to go see you for this. And I
0: know I need to, but yeah.
1: Uh, And that's, that's also what we see from a retirement planning standpoint is it's just a hassle. Um, But once you do finally pick up that phone and you make that call and you get the appointment scheduled, you feel better. It's on your calendar. You know what's going to happen. You are now committed to improving your life going forward. And it works the same exact way here. And once you finally build your retirement plan, imagine the the anxiety that just kind of washes away once you have that plan in place. And you see how all of these moving pieces work on behalf of you to help you achieve your retirement vision. And that's what we see all the time. Once, once we have our family's plan built, that's the most fun part for us is just watching that anxiety wash away and now seeing this, this confidence. And there's a lot of uh, emotional meetings that we have. Uh, we keep Kleenex on, on each one of our conference tables because they're tears of happiness. They're tears of joy. They finally get to see how they're going to live this next phase of their life. And that's a, that's a very rewarding part of what we do.
0: Yeah, so instead of calling, oh, I don't know, the custodian or your old 401k provider, some of those phone calls that aren't really a whole lot of fun to make. A fun phone call to make is a 15 minute complimentary retirement checkup call. It's fun, Lauren, because you get to talk about your retirement vision. That's a lot of times where you start with people.
1: That's definitely where we start is what do you want to accomplish? What do you want your retirement? What does your retirement vision look like? Uh, And so they are a lot of fun and we can accomplish a whole lot in a short period of time.
0: Who should consider going to MerkleRetire.com right now and scheduling a retirement checkup call?
1: there's a lot of advisors out there. We're a little bit different from a standpoint that we work with, uh, we're retirement planning specialists. So we work with those within 10 years of retiring or already retired, and we help them build these retirement plans to help them go to and through retirement. So these calls work best for those in that situation. You're within 10 years of retiring or you're already retired. Uh, the things that we talked about here on this, this show today, uh, grab your attention because those are the things that you're thinking about. Those are the concerns that you have. You know, these are issues that you have to tackle one way or the other. And you start to understand that having a complete retirement plan on your side to help you make these decisions are going to really benefit you as you go to and through this next phase of your life. So if you're 10 years, within 10 years of retiring or already retired, these calls are are best intended for the people in those situations.
0: What I love about the podcast or a phone call is it doesn't matter where you live. If you search Merkle Retirement Planning, you'll see we're based out of Iowa, but we work with families and individuals all over the country. Go to YouTube, check out Merkle Retirement Planning. You'll see that we're talking about the things that affect you no matter where you live. So go ahead, schedule a retirement checkup call today. It's merkelretire.com or subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. Thanks for listening.